Hi everyone, Aaron Noonan here. Welcome to the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Timken, a world leader in engineered bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. Now my guest on the podcast this week, episode 83, is Rihanna Crean. Of course, Rihanna's been with the Supercars television team for many years and very recently confirmed the news that she won't be back in 2021 as part of the Fox Sports and Channel 7 coverage team. So we thought it was a good chance to catch up with her and ask her about what she's going to do in the future, what she's done over the last uh, X years in terms of her involvement in TV. And we wind it all the way back to where she started and how she came to uh, join the V8 Supercar family as Miss V8 Supercar. It was a very long time ago, but we delve right back to the start. Uh, we talk obviously about the the news that she launched a, a week or so ago, that she wasn't going to be part of television, her reaction to that, how it all went down. Uh, we talk about the highs, the lows, some of the standout moments of her time in the pit lane and in television over the last uh, six or seven or eight years. Uh, we tackle the National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions with Rihanna and the Motor Focus Top 10 shootout as well. And there was plenty of couch racer questions for us to choose from. So here we go. Buckle up. Time to start. Rihanna Crean on the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Timken. Rihanna, Welcome. Uh, episode 83 of the V8 Sleuth podcast. I can't believe it's taken us 83 to drag you <laughs> onto this. I've known you for like years and it's taken me a long time and it's taken a bit of news for me to be able to do it, but I guess it gives us plenty to, to have a talk about. Um, we've had huge amounts of social media traffic in the last week or so when you put the news out that you won't be with Supercast TV next year. We have been bombed in questions, so we'll drown you in those uh, a little bit later on. But first, have you been amazed, surprised, impressed? What's the word to describe the reaction of the last sort of six or seven days since the news came out that you won't be part of Supercast TV moving forward? Well, firstly, thanks, Noonzy, for having me on the sleuth potty. Um, I was hesitant when you asked me to come on because I actually didn't think there'd be enough people that would want to listen to me <laughs> um, <laughs> dribble about for the next sort of uh, little while. But um, I'm very humbled that you've asked me um, and I'm very humbled that there's people that want to <laughs> hear me chat. Um, in terms of the reaction over the last couple of days since um, I said I wasn't going to be with Supercast TV, it's it's overwhelming probably is the best word to describe it. Um, I probably shed a couple of tears uh, last week reading the comments that people have left me um, and sent me via direct message, um, text messages and things like that. Um, certainly uh, I didn't expect the reaction um, to be so kind, I suppose um, you could say. I didn't think I had that much support Um if, if I'm being perfectly honest, I mean, I knew I had a few fans out there. Um, I've certainly been involved for, for over well, over 10 years. It's probably close to 13 years now. Um, so I knew there's a couple of people that liked me. <laughs> Not just Will and my mum. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, certainly overwhelmed and, and, and humbled. And, um, yeah, like reading some of the comments from people, it, it, it brought tears to my eyes, like if I'm being totally honest. Why did this surprise you? Do you think it's a case of when I, my personal take on it is in a general situation, you only hear from people, particularly in socials, when they've got something shit to say, something bad to say. <laughs> you don't you don't ever really hear from the positive people because they're not venting. They're not putting it out there. And it takes news like this of someone having a, a radical change from their the course that they've been on for a while or something's coming to an end or whatever it might be 
to bring the positive people who are all there. You just don't really probably know it as much. It takes that to bring them out to say something. Is that more a case of how you felt that, or maybe you didn't quite have enough of an understanding of the, the support that you might've had among the, the fan base? Um, I think a bit of both. I think, I think traditionally social media is, there is a lot of negativity online. Um, I think it's, people are very quick to judge or make comment to critique. I think that's just the nature of how social media is, particularly this, this day and age. Um, and, and also I just, I don't know. I, I probably, that's um, a bit of just a bit of self doubt in myself. If I'm being totally honest, um, I probably didn't, yeah, just didn't give myself enough credit for for people enjoying what I did and and, and being part of the Supercars coverage is probably, you know, I just think over the years, yeah, of course, there's going to be a few people that liked me being part of the coverage, but I think just genuine self-doubt and not having enough confidence in myself to think that there was people that really enjoyed me being part of the coverage. I know there was, you know, often young girls who would come up to me and, and want to have a photo and stuff like that, but... Um, I certainly didn't think that there was as many people um, as what I saw over the last few days who who had a, that many positive things to say. So it's um, yeah, as I said, um, I, it brought tears to my eyes, and that's just being honest. Mm. Uh, where does that self doubt come from? Is that something from within? Is that something that comes from being chipped over the time? Whether it's within the compound, you're not doing this enough. We need to do that more people writing stuff on socials, a bit of your own level of expectation. I'm intrigued on how that can, where does that come from or what can you put it down to? Um, no, that's from, that's mostly from within. I'm, I'm a perfectionist um, in all areas of my life. Um, always strive to be the best at what, what I can be. doesn't matter what I'm doing. Um, and I suppose it's also, um, I still feel after all these years, a bit of a fish out of water in, in supercars. Um, look at me, <laughs> I don't really belong <laughs> um, amongst a team of, of these, uh, you know, amazing um, former race car drivers who were, you know, a lot of them can be, could have been my father, like, you know, I'm sort of half their age. <laughs> and that's no disrespect to the blokes that are there, but like within our compound, there's a whole bunch of blokes that have got grey beards and and look at me, I'm, you know, half their age and, and a blonde-haired girl sort of trying to hold my own. So um, there's certainly the self-doubt just comes from myself because I'm not a former race car driver. I'm a female with blonde hair who um, probably sometimes shouldn't be there, but I am. And so, yeah, the self-doubt comes just from, from me trying to trying to ensure that, I, that I'm always doing the best I can to, to make sure I can hold my own amongst, you know, everyone else that's there. Uh, the big question we got during the, actually, we got so many questions. We had to cull them because we would have been on a 43-part <laughs> episode with you to get through them all. But a lot of them were very, very similar. So we've, we've pruned them down. We'll get to those a little bit later. But one of the, the, probably the standout question that came from a lot of people, and a lot of people hypothesized about this without asking a question, which people tend to do on socials. Uh, did you jump? Were you pushed? How did you find out? Give us, give us the, give us the take on, on what unfolded so you can spell out any of the, the, the crappy things that are out there or the things that are incorrect or that are half right from your point of view, how did it all go down? No, I was, um, I, my contract had ended at the end of this year, like, like pretty much uh, with, I don't think I'm speaking out of school. I think most um, of the TV talent were getting out of contract at the, at the end of this year because uh, the, 
the network was changing. Um, obviously, everyone knows we're moving to Channel Network 7 next year. Um, so I was always going to be out of contract um, regardless of whether I continued or didn't continue next year. Um, so it was just a case of not renewing my contract, simple as that. It's a case of there's been a split sort of system in the last six years. There's been people under the Channel 10 umbrella, people under the Fox umbrella, people under the Supercars umbrella. Next year, that's kind of all... All those people have been put under the one umbrella, so there's a bit of a natural. Um, there's less spots, I guess, available as well. Did Did you have it explained to you? Has Has it been outlined to you why you're not part of that, or was it just a case of sorry, we don't have room for you. Thanks very much. They move on. Um, look, I think um, anytime there's a network change, they'll look to see change or you know you know obviously all the different networks are gonna have their own view on what they want to see uh with commentary with pit lane all that sort of stuff it happened when channel 10 came in uh what when was that six years ago now um mm. you know they wanted to to change the lineup with that's when we saw you know rusty come into the team and and, and murph um and you know larko was out and then in and all that sort of stuff so like any any like anything any sport any television network everyone's going to want to see their own sort of different freshen up and fresh fresh and fresh the faces um that sort of thing so um i didn't certainly didn't sit there thinking oh i'm a guaranteed startup next year um whatsoever and likewise i don't think anyone in the talent pool thinks that they're a guaranteed startup anytime there's a network change so it's it's you know no, there's no conspiracy theories <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> this this is this is television no one's guaranteed to see that's true. That's true. I've always said that as well. Um, no one's got a God-given right to, to any role. And uh, if you do manage to, to be in one, it's great. But when it ends and someone else gets an opportunity, that's, that's just life. That's how it rolls. The big question now, what are you going to do next? Because there's no way in hell, and I will tell all our listeners, I know you and your husband very, very well for many, many years, you can't spend more hours in a day with Will Davison. It will drive you troppo. What are you going to do to fill in the hours? Will you still go to the races with him? Will you sort of come to some? Um, are you going to follow a bit more of the, the path of fitness and, and socials and the stuff you've been doing there? Do you want to try to find another TV berth in another sport? Do you want to do something else in supercars? There's a whole pile of potential here. Which one grabs your fancy or have you not really given it a, a bit of extra thought? Um. Much to, yeah, I don't really know. I saw some comments on Facebook saying good luck with the birth, um, which I don't, I don't <laughs> which, know. Now, what, there's a rumour we need to uh, now. I don't you really are know pregnant what that or you means. Are not pregnant. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Maybe they've seen uh, photos of me after lunch or something. But um, <laughs> no, I am not having a baby. Um, so let's just put that one to bed right here, right now. Um but yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything. Um, there's no, there's no announcements to be made right, right at this moment. I, um, as you know, this year for me has been really, really tough, um, the toughest year of my life, and um, that's probably made me reevaluate the way I see things. Um, at getting emotional, um, and I don't feel like I need to jump into something just yet um mm. had a really hard year and i probably just need to take some time to get myself right before i you know <laughs> get myself yeah, oh, totally into any you've had yeah <laughs> 
you've had more stuff crammed in a one year. You, what you've had crammed in a one year, some people would not have all that stuff in a lifetime or in 20 years. So, and, and it's been the, and I do, I actually recall a phone call with you at the start of the year where you said, well, I'm out of contract at the end of the year. Will's out of contract. This is before COVID. Will's <laughs> out of contract at the end of the year. Oh, who knows what could happen this year? Well, we're going to enjoy it. We're going to stay on a couple of extra days at some of the places we go for racing this year. I think this was January, February or something like that. None of us could have expected what changed with the world after that and then what flowed on from it and that your, your dad had so sadly passed away in, in the middle of it all. And no one could guess. I mean, we've all deemed what is a bad year in our lives previously, but you had 20, 30 years of stuff crammed into 10 months, really. So I think the fact that you're going to stop and have a breath you can have a big breath now because you've you've had to go through a, a lot this year, and I think it's all been um, it's been hard to have to sit down here in Melbourne and be stuck away from all you guys and and see uh, and see you as well. Uh, what has um, and I am going to go back to Miss V8 Supercar. <laughs> We're going to go right back to the start here. Um, but and I don't want to. You've talked enough a lot about what's happened this year. I think everyone who listens to our podcast knows. Um, yeah. You know, Will lost his drive, all the things that happened, got a drive back, ends up at DJR, you got parked out of tally, came back for a couple of rounds in the middle of it all. Your dad suddenly passed away, you had to rush to Perth, you just made it in time. I mean, just, and it started so well. I mean, January was uh, your <laughs> wedding day. It was, you've had it all this year. It's been a roller coaster ride that um, I don't think anyone could ever match or top for highs and lows. But, um, what have you learned about yourself this year? That's probably the, the biggest question that springs to mind. Um, that I'm pretty tough. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> tough. Um, that life is, is really short, really short. And, um, sorry, no. <laughs> I think it's been a reminder for everybody. <laughs> just, uh, um, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, I think I'm tough. Like I was tougher than what I thought. And um, as much as I know lots of people have realised they've got to be grateful, um, but we just have to, shit doesn't matter. <laughs> just, <laughs> the shit doesn't matter because it just doesn't. So that's why I think when people say, what are you going to do? I just, I don't really care no. right now. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest, because oh, yeah, it just, I get it. things don't matter. So mm. I know that um, when people say that, you know, it's really hard, like I lost my job and it's devastating to me because I love my job and I love working and I'm such a determined person. But in any other year, I think, um, it would be so different, but this year um, there's been so many other things that have been so m much more important that um, it's just different. Mm. So things that I've learned this year, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, you just have, I'm tough and it's just, it's just the small things that, that, are, that are more important. Mm. It's times like these that probably remind everyone in different levels and different variations of what uh, people have had to go through, no matter which state you've been in, whether you've been locked down, whether people have 
difficulties with jobs and businesses and families and everyone's going through something somewhere. I want to brighten the mood because we have teared <laughs> up a little for a moment. Uh, we don't tend to tear it up on the Vets with podcast, but occasionally we do and it's okay to do that. Um, rewind. 2005, 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, a God, very young... Old. Uh, you're not. I, I'm older than you, so I'm, I'm feeling old. Um, you entered a competition called Miss V8 Supercar, and who, mm. you had no idea clearly where this would lead you to the things you've done since. Why did you enter it? What was the situation? Were you going in those sort of competitions at the time? Did you think there's some prize money to win here? I'll do a bit of this. How did it all come to be that you even you got on the grid, let's say, for Miss V8 Supercar back in the day? Um, yeah, I had been doing some of those real classy um, nightclub competitions <laughs> at the time, <laughs> and I'd won, I'd won Miss Motorsport, um, and just I'm like you've got to run back. Like I'm like 18 at the time, and then Mum saw a newspaper like uh, article or uh, ad that had Miss V8 supercar competition. And so I remember she cut it out and said, you should enter this. So I did. And obviously I was in Perth at the time. So I entered the Barbagello, you know, heat or whatever you want to call it. And then won that, which led me to the, the grand final in Melbourne. Um, and then, and then I won that, um, which was the big, you know, the big hurrah type thing. And then that I was Miss V8 supercar, which I, at the time, I really underestimated. I didn't really know that it was going to be such a big deal. Um, Paul Dambrell was a was a uh, a, uh, a judge on the judging panel <laughs> um, with Campbell Brown. I'm pretty sure there was a couple of other AFL players, I think, and Tony Cochran was there. And and back in those days, the Miss Fancy Supercar competition was a quite a big deal. Like it was it was highly um, sponsored. There was a lot of money invested into it. Supercars backed it heavily as a sport, um, and the winner was, you know, was quite, I suppose, prestigious. Um, they got to travel around to all the events. They were seen as the ambassador for the sport. They did everything that the drivers did. They sat at the autograph sessions with the drivers. Um, you know, big prize money, um, and you know, the Miss V8 winner was sort of held in quite high regard um, back in those days. And it was, it was quite a competition to win. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars, unforgettable. What did you win? What did you get for it? Did, did, you, did they load you up with cash or vouchers or what did you get? Um, oh, I looked I it up think... online and it said it said twenty thousand K of prizes. So what, well, what, I, what did you get? I think for memory I got fifteen thousand um, dollars. and then the rest of it was uh, there was like barter card money, um, and then prizes. I actually can't really remember, but it was like a lot of money. Like mm. fifteen grand for I was I think I was nineteen at the time. That was a lot of money for me. Um, and then obviously <laughs> I went to, I, I travelled to every single V eight round for the year, um, you know, and that obviously led me to to my job within supercars. 
previous interest, previous knowledge, previous exposure to motor racing, nil? Did you watch it? Did you know of it? Did your family watch it at all? Was there? Did you know a thing about it or did you go in completely cold? Nothing, absolutely nothing. My family, um, I mean, my background was, was dancing. I was a professional dancer. Um, I grew up as a dancer my whole life, musical theatre, drama, performing arts, all, the, all of that sort of stuff. Um, my brother and sister were into athletics, so they certainly weren't motorsport. Um, my, my uncle was a, into motorbikes a little bit, but certainly, I mean, I wasn't at all like, yeah, nothing. I mean, I grew up on a farm and we, the closest thing I got to any form of, no, I wouldn't even say that. It's not motorsport at all. Like we would drive around on tractors and things like that, but nothing, <laughs> not motorsport whatsoever. Um, so yeah, my, my first introduction to motorsport was literally that race at Barbagello. Like I was nil, absolutely nil. I mean, we were an AFL family. We supported AFL. So yeah, we weren't motorsport. So you, you win the prize, you become Miss V8 Supercar, which, by the way, it sounds much better back in the day as Miss V8 Supercar, not Miss Supercar if they yeah. have now. It just doesn't <laughs> yeah. fit. It doesn't roll off the tongue. We've got to bring the V8 back. So 06, you spend the year following the, the championship around the country and we would have gone overseas then because there was a New Zealand round and a round in Bahrain as yeah. well from memory. That was the first yeah. year of, of, of Bahrain. So where in this little, and I vaguely recall it, where in this little first year around the sport does Mr. Davison pop up on the scene? So we met at, I think our first meeting was, I sat next to him in at New Zealand at an autograph session. I, mem- I re- remember there was Will mm, St- and Stevie J. Stevie J was one of the first drivers I met um, and, and Will and there was a like a they had a white helmet um, that they were doing for like a charity auction and they were getting all the drivers to sign it and um, Will had the, the silver like sharpie pen and um, and he he fucked up the helmet because he, <laughs> he went to sign it and the silver pen like leaked all over the helmet. Oh, so, no. so this, this charity helmet had this like big silver splodge of like uh, Sharpie all over it. And that was kind of our first encounter of, of conversation. Cause it was just me laughing at this goose who just stuffed up the, the charity helmet. So that I suppose that was probably our first like meeting of, yeah, of you know, yeah, conversation, I suppose. So it goes from stuffing up a helmet, which does sound very well, by the way. Yes, um, yes. To where does, would you like to go out for a drink, go out for dinner, do a date? What's going on here? He's a driver. You're a Miss V8 supercar. You can't. How, how did this all come to be? Did he send someone else in to go and talk to you or ask you out or... How did this? How did this all happen? Because you know what, it's fourteen years ago now, and I can't remember the details. I, I, uh, at once, upon a time, I probably did know, but I can't remember now. To be honest, it's like I can't really remember either. It's such a long time ago. Um, no, like we were, like we, I just remember us being friends for a while. Um, and God, I honestly can't remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we didn't really. We didn't go out on, oh, like the first time we went out was the Gold Coast, Gold Coast 600. We went out 
on a date. Um, and we went out for dinner then. So that's like the end of the year, October. Yeah. Yeah. Gold Coast 600. And then we, and then he flew to Perth because I was living in Perth at the time. I lived in Perth the whole whole time I was Miss Fiat Supercar, so that whole 2006, which, trust me, is difficult because you do, like, basically do red-eye flights for the whole year um, and that's hard. <laughs> and then, yeah, we went out on a date then and then we kind of were like, he flew to, he flew to Perth maybe, I can't even remember, at some point. And then I think I must have come to the Gold Coast because he was living on the Gold Coast. And then he must have flown to Perth over, like, in January, like it was Australia Day. He flew to Perth Australia Day. I do remember that and stayed with me and met my family and stuff. And then and then I flew to the Gold Coast like late January and that was it. I never went home. <laughs> I moved, <laughs> moved to the Gold Coast. And my poor mum, I've never been back since. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and so when the Miss V8 thing, that was a year thing, but when that came to an end, uh, so you started from memory doing the big screen. You'd done a bit of that stuff in Perth at the Bar of the Gala round. You started in the big screen. And I remember vividly the, the big screen uh, on-track commentary um, production. Um, resources were pretty much nil. Um, here's a camera and an operator. Uh, do your thing. No direction. No... Um, rundown, no do this, do that, do this, get this. It was kind of fly um, by the seat of your pants a little bit, uh, but it's probably the best way to learn on the job in with no real framework. Um, would you agree? Because I reckon that that freestyle style of thing um, is great because you actually can make all the mistakes off Broadway and you learn little things that you, you wouldn't have learned otherwise if you were in a, a bigger, more structured ordered setup yeah i mean so for the for when i was doing this v8 supercar they used to have a show called panel beaters um which was supported oh, by Big yes. at the time and it was crompo yeah. brad jones rusty i think else? was involved Ru yeah rusty, so, so that they used to do that involved, on a yeah. friday friday night i think from memory and it was like a live audience so they used to host it at like a usually a function room or something at the track um, and so my very first introduction was they got me on that for a segment for their um, uh, what segment was it? Um, oh God, here we go. My memory's so bad. Um, I can't even think what the segment was. Anyway, um, so they got me on for a segment for that. So that was kind of my very first introduction into like anything involved with a broadcast, and it was like a you know internet thing. And then the, when when I finished Miss V8 Supercars. Um, I basically said, look, I'd really want to be involved in media. I want to try to get into TV because I'd been doing some like community TV stuff in Perth um, and that's kind of the direction I wanted to head. And I said, look, I'm happy to do work experience. I'll do anything if I can just be part of the, the media team. Um, and essentially that's where it started. And they said, well, if you can get to some of the races, we'll give you a go with the, the big screen. And, yeah, back then the big screen was was literally a big screen a camera and a microphone like that's it like there was no other um no other fancy parts to it there was no one producing it editing it like nothing like it was basic um and i do remember my first 
like my first event and it was like, here's your cameraman, here's your microphone, we'll see you at the end of the day, come back when you finish. Like that was it. There was no instructions. And and I think, to be honest, with, for someone who's not done anything, it was kind of a sink or swim. It was like, you know, you, you've got two choices. Like you're either going to cry in the corner because you can't do it or you're going to have to work it out yourselves and I suppose I worked it out (laughs) (laughs) well what did you uh, where did the I guess you you had that year of Miss V8 where did it click that you went I actually really like this sport regardless of Will or uh, the Miss V8 stuff we actually went this is cool I really love the the cars the racing the scene the people when did it click for you that you went, I really like this. This is, it's got into me and it's in the bloodstream and it's off and running and I'm, I'm part of this. This is, this is me. Um, I suppose I've always been someone who loves sport regardless of what it is. Like I, don't, I pretty much will watch any sport, whatever, I don't mind. Um, and it was just, uh, I suppose, just another sport that got my attention. Um, once you start to get to know the people involved, you obviously automatically, you know, you start to, follow you know drivers or teams or you get the, you know the rules and, and and how it works and and then you know once once I think once anyone gets involved in a live sport they you love it automatically it doesn't really matter what it is um and it just became it just became a passion and the more and more I got to know about it and learn you know what was involved and you know the work involved and the skills of the drivers it was um it was just something that I, you know, I grew to love it and, 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 you know, just absolutely just love intently everything about it. I have to tell you that I did do a little bit of research for this one. I've gone a bit backwards through the files <laughs> here. So there, there was a quote I found online. So obviously we'll spend some time at Dick Johnson Racing and he's back there now. It's amazing how the world turns full circle. Um, you're doing your big screen thing and starting to get on the pathway of the media stuff. But along the way, you will remember that you did some modelling still mm. for the Holden Racing <laughs> God, merchandise oh line. <laughs> yes. And there was a certain pair of red hot pants that, uh, to quote you in a, a story that popped up online some years oh later, God. I, even, I even had my bum on a tram in Adelaide. <laughs> and that doesn't mean you were in the tram sitting down. That was your bum was actually on the outside of the tram. Uh, I think you're the only Where are you finding this stuff? You, you said it. It was reported and it's online. I can send you the link oh God, if you like. This is great. Um, yeah, yeah. So you said it. Bum on a train in Adelaide. Oh, I can't compete. You are the first V8 Sleuth <laughs> podcast guest with their bum on a tram rather than in it in Adelaide. Congratulations. Yes. Well, I mean, back in those days when the Holden Racing Team was doing, you know, some pretty, like their merchandising and their, their you know, commercial stuff and their public relations was, was impressive, you know, at second to none. Um, and, and I was... I don't know, unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't know who for was doing the modelling for the merchandise line. And it is true, I was full, like, full person on the side of a tram, which I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I should be proud or not proud of that, but I was <laughs> in their women's underwear on the side of a tram. Yes, there you go. No Cop one that can scaf- compete. Cop that scaphy. Scaphy's <laughs> never had that happen before. You might have won the Adelaide 500, but he's never had his bum on the tram uh, in Adelaide. 
Um, <laughs> and I, I remember, so when Will goes to Ford Performance Racing, they made a song and dance because I found this story online too. They were writing stories that you defected because you were modelling the FPR Ford promo gear as well. I do, I do remember that. There was, I don't know who wrote these stories. It must have been Slow News Day, but there was a story in the paper that not only had Will <laughs> defected to the opposing team, but so had the model. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, and the great yes. thing is about the internet, it's there forever oh, for all yeah. to enjoy. So, all I, to enjoy. I mean, I couldn't, I, couldn't possi- I couldn't possibly stay modelling the HRT merch if he had moved across to FBR. I mean, what kind <laughs> of things would people say about me? Oh, well, they would have questioned your commitment. Questioned your commitment, exactly. that's for sure. What, um, uh, what has been, um, and probably we're in that period of, of wheel driving for HRT and FPR. So you guys have moved a lot, haven't you? You were go- So you were going Perth, Gold Coast, Melbourne with HRT, Melbourne with FPR, Gold Coast, Erebus, or oh, ever since, basically. Ever since, he's yeah. tech- techno, yeah. and even though when he's been driving for Phil Monday, he was staying um, in Queensland. So plenty of moves, plenty of travel, plenty, plenty of stuff in boxes and storage and, I guess it's all those things that people don't stop and think about. They think about the what they see on television of yourself doing your thing and wheel racing. Everyone kind of forgets the personal people element of everyone involved in a sport and a broadcast. That it's um it's been a bit of a long haul. It hasn't just been a case of let's just do this and away we go. There's been all these things that have happened in the middle of it. So um, no wonder you want to have a bit of time away. It's not just what's happened this year. It's been a long, you know, thirteen, fourteen. Odd years, but when did it switch though, Ree, from the big screen stuff gave you your platform and you're in and you started to learn some stuff to pop up? I remember you starting to pop up in the broadcast on seven doing some super, oh, it wasn't even called Super Two then, what was it? Dunlop series, I think it was. Bit of pit lane, bit of reporting, um, some crosses in the corporate boxes. Um, where did that start to roll in? Did you have some discussions with people involved to you know, start to? put your foot in the door a little bit there. How did, how did the next step sort of kind of unfold? And, and, and a part of that question too is how did you keep your, your distance from being Will's girlfriend on air at the, at the same time when you were very keen to forge your own way as Rihanna, not Rihanna, Will's girlfriend? Yeah, I think so. I think it must have been about 2014, 15 when Seven first put me on their broadcast properly. So... Um, you would have remembered Noons, V8 Extra. So I, that's probably when I first really popped up on Seven doing, you know, some colour stories, um, you know, doing some stuff for V8 Extra with Crompo and things like that. And then oh, you might be, you might know the dates better than me, but it was either 14 or 15 and I did my first pit lane. And I'm pretty sure it was Sandown. I did my first pit lane. That was my first race because it would have been like the first enduro put in an, an extra person. Um, uh, it was probably late. It would have been like 13 wrong, It was about 13. then. Yeah. Yeah. So it was around there. And, and that was probably, you know, that was really the time where it was like, okay, I'm actually part of the team now. I'm not just the, the colour reporter. I'm not just the girl that pops up every now and again, you know, doing a happy cross from, you know, a corporate box or, you know, from the, from the, you know, the crowds or whatever like that. Okay, it's like, no, you're, you're in the team. This is, the, you're part of us. Like you're, you're one, of the, one of the guys in the, in the, in the, in the crew. Um, and I remember I, I was, 
I was I, Scott Young was um, the general manager of TV at the time, and I remember when he said, "Yep, you're going to be." in the lane and I was terrified. I was so scared <laughs> because even though I'd been doing pit lane for the big screen for, you know, however many years, it was just such a different thing because it was, this is big time now. This is serious. You're going to get crucified. You're going to get criticised. Um, you know, people will judge you. And if you, if you fuck it up, you know, you're going to be out like straight away. As, as quick as you got in, you'll be out even quicker. Um, and I knew that I had to be more prepared than anyone. I had to be um, more re- rehearsed than anyone. I had to be better researched than anyone. And if, if I made a mistake, I would be judged worse off than anybody else in that crew. Um, and that's just, that's just fact. And I was so, so scared um, that first, you know, that first time being in the pit lane. And... And I was probably terrible, you know, being totally honest. I was probably really bad. Um, But I just knew that I had to somehow, like Scott had given me um, a chance and he obviously believed in me and he obviously saw that I could do it. Um, And I just really had to back myself. And and to be honest with you, that first year or even that first two years, I did get slammed. I got slammed online really badly and people would troll me horrendously. <laughs> Some of the things people would say to me were just awful and it was horrible to go home and Will would say to me, don't look at your phone and don't read the comments and, you know, you deserve to be there. Um, but it was really hard not to, you know, read those things because they were there and people would send you messages and you'd read them online and you'd read them on Facebook. Um and it really took a long time to a believe in myself and b get enough confidence to know that um, I deserved to be there and and I'd, I'd earned my spot. If you or I don't know if that's the right way to say it or I've, I've you know and developed the respect and earned the respect from not only the fans but the drivers and the teams and and everyone involved in the sport. But that, that took a long time. Um, you just said the magic word, respect. I think that's the thing that if you've got that, any other failings in any other area you can get through or you can build upon or whatever. But if you don't have that bit, all the other bits don't matter. So whose respect were you chasing and needing most? Was it the the drivers, the teams, the TV um, unit, the, the guys you were on air with, the fans? Which one of that group was the biggest one for you that you went, well, they're the ones I've got to get first and most? Respect. Um, I think collectively everyone, you know, I think um, it, like everyone, it's everyone's sport. Like it's the drivers, it's, you know, I, I want them, I want them to respect me because it's, it's, it's their sport. I want the teams to respect me because I'm going into their environment, into their garages, into their workplace. But I want the fans to respect me because it's, 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 you know they're the ones that have you know some of the I mean, you you bump into fans at Bathurst that have been going for 40 50 years you know so like who am I to to be sort of acting like I know more than them or whatever look you know what I mean so it's like it's a really it's a really difficult one because I, I'm working hard and I'm doing my research and I'm and I'm, I'm learning and I'm asking Will questions all the time and I'm asking Murph questions and I'm you know you're asking like you're, you're pulling on all your 
um, resources, but but you also want to be cautious because you do know that there's people out there who have been watching this since Jesus was a boy, and and you want to you know like you want to earn everyone's respect collectively, and you don't ever want to sort of you know you don't want to put make people feel uncomfortable or, or anything like that. We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment, but I wanted to quickly tell you about our good friends at Timken a world leader in engineered bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. Now, you might know their name and you might recognise their logo, but did you know that Timken bearings are used in the centrepiece of one of the most stunning stadiums in the world of sport? The $2 billion, yes, billion-dollar Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta features a retractable roof that is a work of incredible engineering. It features eight triangular roof panels, or petals as the designers call them, that slide open and close in the same way that a camera shutter does. Each petal weighs almost 500 metric tonnes and when the roof is closed, each petal cantilevers over 60 metres from the outer edge of the stadium. Now despite the weight, the size and the complexity of the design, the roof can be closed in just over seven minutes and open in just over eight with Timken's tapered roller bearings used to ensure each petal moves smoothly. The stadium's home to the Atlanta Falcons NFL team and the Atlanta United Major League Soccer team, and in 2019, it hosted the crown jewel of American football, the Super Bowl. We'll bring you more cool facts about Timken in each episode of the V8 Sleuth podcast through the course of the year. Now, it's back to the podcast. What's the standout... um there are a couple of moments along the way that you've seen big moments. We, you get the, uh, what's the right word? You get the uh, the armchair seat to a lot of big moments. Whether it's a Bathurst win, a driver's first win, um, you know, you've done some of those Bathurst winners interviews, uh, sitting on cars with drivers, <laughs> which is a position that there's nobody else who's done that before or since. So <laughs> I think you've cr- created your own little niche there. Uh, are there some moments that stand out that you've been interviewing someone with or witnessed firsthand that you go, oh, that's that's why we do this. This is this is cool. Is there any of those that spring to mind that you, you've seen over the years that you were right there for? Yeah. Oh, so many, so many. I mean, number number one. I mean, that I, I will never forget that that the Bathurst Lounge, Richo sitting on that sitting on that car. I mean, the noise was deafening. It was just like that's. You know, I, I can't even, I can't describe it because and it was just, you know, we've got our, we've got our ears in, we've got producers talking to us, but that the noise and just, and looking up and seeing, you know, just the, the amount of people um, ahead and, and just being there and, and the, the chance for Lounsey was just like far out, man. This is like <laughs> seriously, seriously cool. Um, you know that 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 stands out. Being you know being able to to hand Jamie um, the the helmet when he got the hundred wins. You know just that in itself because he's a mate and plus the achievement and and that that you know I think that 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 moment for me was pretty special. Um, obviously, Will winning Bathurst being like that for me is like I mean how many people how many couples get that where it's like the biggest moment in someone's career but then they also get to share that personally and professionally like that is you know is a moment I'll I'll cherish forever but then there's lots of little moments like you know when Randall got 
his pole position in Super Two. Ah, yes, like, and he didn't believe you. Like, that was best. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like little moments like that which probably aren't historic big Bathurst moments, but that was so cool. Like that was just like, to me, that was so, so cool for me to be able to deliver that to him. Um, was like, I, I am so grateful for those moments because they're so, so special for, for that driver. And I'm, I'm there, like I'm the first person he talks to. So um, I'll always appreciate those moments, which on a grander scale aren't as big, but they're still just as cool um, for me personally to be there. I'd love to do a count as well, by the way, not just of all those moments, but how many thousands of dollars of armor or checks you've had <laughs> in the last six years or so, particularly between exactly. the main championship and Super 2. I reckon you've been the lady that's handed out more money exactly, that wasn't yeah. yours than yeah, anybody exactly. else. If only uh, it was in, me, in like, just being able to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Here, have a thousand. Thing. Have a thousand. You know, lots, of, um, lots of smaller moments that have just have been just as special. Or like when Lee, you know, when Lee got that victory uh, at Winton, um, with Erebus, you know, like that one was, that was magic. Like that was, you know, that I had tears in my eyes, you know, like, like wins like that, which are, yeah, real special wins and, and special moments, which I am so grateful that I got to be there in, you know, ground zero type thing, like which are really, really cool, real cool. You mentioned, you mentioned 15, uh, a Lowndes Bathurst win is, Probably the, the modern equivalent of a Brock Bathurst win in terms of the reaction of the crowd and, and that sort of stuff. So that was the first year of the, the rights deal that's just ending now, the Fox Channel 10 six-year deal. So you start, you, Murph, Rusty, Crompo, uh, that was kind of the V8 supercar team. Larko was off at Channel 10 land. Scape was in Fox land. So that was kind of your big break you'd done your little bits with seven you got a little bit of a go on the pit lane and then they went right oh here's a deal you are in it's not a case of you're doing the enduros or one or two here or there this is your gig was was that do you remember how that all came to be when you did the deal what that felt like because that's kind of the i've made it now this is the bit that i've been trying to get to was that the moment where you went right we're on here this is where i'm at this is what i was trying to do yeah i i mean i don't I think it was just a feeling of being part of the team properly. You know, we had, we had proper photos of the group. It was like, I really felt like I was um, equal, I suppose. Um, you know, not, 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 not disrespecting the boys, but um, part, yeah, equal part of the team, not, not someone who just popped in and out, you know, when they needed an extra person, but um, yeah, an equal component of the team that that was that was a valued member yeah did you feel that you were held to a higher account than the boys you mentioned it earlier how you felt you had to be better researched better prepared better in every area because the the criticisms would come because you're a chick in what's traditionally a a male dominated sport and broadcast as well uh was there ever a time that you felt like you weren't supported or that you weren't put in a place where you felt like you could thrive or that things were made more difficult than they, than they should have been? No, I mean, and I think like a lot of that comes just from my own, that's just from me personally. Um, like I didn't want to stuff up because I knew if I stuffed up, I'd get 
slammed, you know, because I just, that's the, the way the world works, unfortunately, which sucks, but it is like, that's just, that's just how it is. Um, and I didn't want to, I, I was, I got to finally got to where I wanted to get to and I didn't want to lose it. So, and I, I'm a perfectionist. I don't want to rock up and not be prepared um, for the role I was doing. Um, so I was, that's just how it was. Um, and throughout the time I always had really, really good people there. I mean, Scott Young for me was, who was our general manager was one of the, my greatest supporters, likewise with Simon Fordham. He was one of my greatest supporters that's always been involved in television. Like there's been some people there who have just been amazing people who have always lifted me up, um, which I've been, you know, very grateful for people like that. You mentioned about stuff-ups. What's your greatest stuff-up? Because we can list about 50 for Larco. Crompo's dropped a few bombs on telly <laughs> that he doesn't prefer to admit to anybody. What, what's your greatest stuff up that you go, I cannot believe I said that, did that, thought that? Is there one that sticks out? Oh, I mean, I've, I've stuffed up plenty of times, loads of times. Like, there'd be. Well, you haven't dropped million, an F bomb on TV. Millions, <laughs> millions of stuff ups. Um, and my, I mean, my probably the most well known one was when I tried to talk to Shane after Bathurst. I wanted um, to talk to you about this too. Yeah, but, go on. But in my defence, I was quite uh, young in my career then and I probably was given ill advice then. So to paint the picture, this is the 2014 Bathurst, the one that took about nine years that day to run where we had the halftime break. <laughs> Shane yeah, Van Gisbergen, yeah. who had started on pole, is leading with 10 or so laps to go. He comes in for a, a late pit stop. He's due to come out in front, and the thing doesn't refire. They they finally did a couple of laps later, get it to fire up and go back out. But he gets out of the car, walks through the garage to the transporter, the vision everyone will probably remember with his dad, Robert, and you tailing him. And yeah. you said you gave bad advice. So you... Uh, I'll say it. You don't have to say it. You were made to go in and do that. Probably, I'm presuming, against your better judgment to try to ask a question. Yeah, I probably just wasn't um, confident enough in that situation to to look at that situation and and think, not that wasn't the right thing to do. And and in hindsight, if if that happened now, I would have done things differently. But but at the, the time, the picture I was, tells a story. Yeah, and at the time I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have that confidence, nor did I have that um, knowledge, I suppose, of the situation to read the play well enough. And and yeah, and 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 we all learn. Like I, I've learned now to you know to be able to make good judgment calls when when the time is right in garages on the grid, post race, right, you know, things like that. And, and I, f I feel bad for doing that because I, I know what that's like for a driver and I don't, I don't like that I did that. I really don't. And I got slammed for it. I got slammed for it and I still get slammed for it. <laughs> but mm. we all make mistakes. We, we all will continue to make mistakes because we're all human, you know. But, true, yeah, I don't, I don't like that that happened. I don't. Mm. Well, you can't change it. It's done now. But people hopefully now get a bit more of an idea behind it. You weren't being a, 
a nosy reporter trying to ask a question yeah. at a wrong time. You were kind of put in a position where you you felt you had to. I remember the following year. Now, you, I don't know if you remember this one. I, I've been looking through the uh, the archives. <laughs> You've interviewed your now husband many times over the years as your boyfriend, as your fiancé, and as your husband. So I think this was still in the boyfriend era when he went to Erebus and he got in an incident with James Moffat in the fence at turn eight and he was really pissed and you had to interview him. And do you remember this? Oh, we're talking, Ad- we're talking Adelaide. Adelaide, Adelaide sorry. yeah. I'm sorry. I thought and you were just brushed... talking Bathurst. I'm like, what? No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Adelaide 2015, I think it was. Yes, the first, and he brushed I think that was his me. first yeah. weekend. <laughs> he brushed you and you had to virtually hunt him and give him the... <laughs> We just want to know that you're okay, Will, which wasn't Rihanna the TV reporter. That was Rihanna the girlfriend talking. And I think even Will went, oh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember that one? I mean, that's yeah, probably the yeah. most awkward situation I think I've seen you guys ever yeah. be in on TV yeah. together. Are there any that we've forgotten about or that we've overlooked? No, no, that was, that was um, yeah, that Adelaide, that was his first race with Evan and he just got fenced, yeah. Um, and I think it was like early in the weekend too. Um, and, and that's, that's probably the most common question I get asked is how, how awkward is it to interview Will? And, and it's so funny because over across a weekend, it's like the least, probably the thing I least think about is interviewing Will because I, I don't think about it at all. Um, but in that situation, it was funny because he was so angry. He was like fuming. And Will, if you know Will, is doesn't really get angry very often. Um, he's very calm, and he was like ropeable. Um, <laughs> so as I'm hunting him down at the back of the garage, I'm like, if you don't answer me, <laughs> you're going to hear about it later. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was probably the most, not, I'm not going to say heated cause it wasn't heated, but probably the most, the, the only time that it's ever got sort of a little bit, um, yeah, he was sort of a little bit tense with me a little bit, which, you know, which is what happens. I mean, people probably don't understand how heated it can be in these garages sometimes. And it's like high adrenaline, high um, tension, high drama, you know, like just everything is, you know, 10 tents. And then I'm in there with a the microphone going, can you talk to me for a second? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you get smacked down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, has there been anybody who, uh, I, actually, now that we talk about such things, I do remember you stalking Caruso to his truck at Ipswich one day Caruso. after he'd thrown away a <laughs> That's potential win. And, <laughs> and you're at the door saying, we just want to talk to you. We just want to talk yeah. to you. And he's Queensland hiding in the Raceway. truck and doesn't want to come out because I think he I think he punted McLaughlin in, and accidentally, he didn't mean to, but he, yeah. he stuffed up and got a penalty when they were fighting for the win. But we just want to talk to you. We just <laughs> Full stalker mode you were on that day. You yeah. weren't letting him get away at all. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he'd, he'd done that a couple of times. He'd, I think Caruso had run away like maybe twice in like, you know, a short space of time. And I was like, no, nah, he's not getting away with it this time. I'm, I'm on his case. But look, you know, to be, to be perfectly honest, all the drivers over many, many years have been exceptional. Like we are incredibly lucky that we have such access to our drivers 
like over a long period of time for many days at a time and they are all very very good it's on the very 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 few occasion where someone will brush us and and that's fine like we have to that's okay like not all the time when someone's had a crash or someone's been taken out or someone's made a mistake you know we have to understand that they don't feel like talking and that's all right and usually they'll come back in a couple of minutes when they've probably gone and punched a hole in the inside the truck <laughs> and then they'll come back and talk to us but we are the, very the, very lucky the brush to non-brush ratio in supercars for a tv reporter would be one to 500 in afl football imagine if you're nrl yeah. you're that journalist on a monday that's stalking yeah. the medical facility trying to get yeah. the player who's had an x-ray oh man it's the other way around yeah, so yeah. supercars exactly. actually have got a pretty good no. Um, exactly. all, all things considered, it's it's actually pretty good. Um, have you ever been treated differently by any drivers or teams because your wills are the half in terms of what you might know, what you might see on their screens, what you might have overheard? Has anyone ever put the barriers up a little bit because that might get back? I don't believe so. Um I could be wrong and they could be telling me lies and I've had the wool pulled over my eyes for the last 13 years. But no, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't feel that anyone's ever um, treated me differently because of will or because of our relationship, um, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and I think I've done a, I believe I've done a pretty good job of, um being very impartial um and and i've really prided myself on ensuring that i've always remained you know when i'm when we're at work um or when i'm working that um you know i'm there as rihanna the pit reporter who works for supercars tv and he's there as will the driver and um and i you know i i think that i've i've done that well um and and everyone Everyone has some kind of allegiance to someone. Like, I mean, we joke that Larco can't step out of DJR because the, you know, the he might get an electric shock because you know, he's obsessed with DJR. <laughs> um, like, you know, even Murph, when Murph first stepped into the TV role, he just only stepped out of his his co-driving role with with HRT, and and you know, there was a bit of a you know a tie in with them. I mean, you know, Scafey had you know his you know got a bit of a long-standing love affair with loungy like it's just like everyone's everyone got has like everyone's got some kind of history with someone like because the industry still is quite a small industry you know like in in a certain way so i don't think my relationship with will is much different to some other people who have got you know are former drivers of a team or you know or manufacturers or, or whatever it is or, or for, you know sponsors or something like that I, I think everyone's sort of got something that they've you know got a tie-in with someone else so I'll, I'll, I don't think anyone should look at Will and I any differently. Were there any other TV things opportunities gigs stuff along the way that you had to turn down because you had gone down this supercars path or things that didn't work just because of the timing was bad or is there anything like that that you could have gone and done that you, you couldn't because you're on this pathway? Um, there was there was an opportunity a few years back when I was doing some stuff with Top Gear um, and 
it didn't work because of supercars. Um, so I had a few. Do I did tell, do some stuff. Do tell more. No, I did. I, I did do some stuff with Top Gear, and, and people might might not know might might know that. Um, but then there were some opportunities to go and do some stuff overseas with them, but I couldn't because of supercars. So um, that was that was yeah, that was a bit disappointing. But um, Top Gear doesn't exist anymore, so. <laughs> The original well, Top Gear, you know, Jeremy Clarkson. The original Top Gear, yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you did the Top Gear live events that they had at, yes. at Sydney, didn't you? And, yes. and so when we say that you couldn't because of supercars, was it because they wouldn't let you or because of the calendar? No, just calendars, yeah, calendars, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I thought we were drilling in there on something that you got stopped to do, but... No, no, get, just calendars. Uh, it's it's life's about schedules. It's about schedules. That's it. Um, what are you going to miss about the TV stuff? Um, I think those, um, I mean, obviously, like, I'll, because of Will, obviously I'll still see people because I'll, I'll go to the odd race and stuff, but I'll miss, I'll miss not being in the, in the in, you know, right in there, get, being able to get, get in the, you know, when at the end of the race and, and being involved in, um, in the heat of the action, you know, like the, the reactions of, of end of race and on the grid and race winners and, you know, that's, that's the stuff that I had the, the privilege of being part of. And, and um, yeah, that's, that was pretty special. And, um, and I'm, I'm very grateful I had so many years of it, but, um, but I'll certainly miss that, that's for sure. One of the other elements too you've just reminded me of on this podcast we love to ask people about their memorabilia. Now, generally we've spoken to race drivers or team managers. We haven't really talked to any other. Oh, we talked to Rusty. We've had Rusty on as well. I know your husband very well. I know he's a fiend for helmets, suits, uh, famous driver helmets, helmet swaps, all sorts of stuff. But for you, what's your racing memorabilia? Have you kept any of your race suits from the last few years? Have you kept your Miss V8 supercar gear from 06? <laughs> what have you got hiding in the cupboard? What have you kept from your supercars era that's uh, from along the way in memorabilia land? I know he's got lots of crap at your house, but what have you got to contribute to the collection? Well, I do. I have all my race suits. Um, there's, a, there's a couple now um, from my TV. Um, I do have my Miss V8 supercar outfit. Yes. And- <laughs> And I have my sign, like you know how the miss, like the green oh, girls yes. have their sign. Yeah, <laughs> so I've yeah, got yeah. my sign. Can can you put that on, like the eight sleep? You, 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 <laughs> you know my... what you have to do. You have to do, you have to get your Insta husband to take a photo of you out the front of your house with your sign, with sign. on the street. Yeah. Well, it's actually it's at Mum's place. Mum's got it at her oh. place because I, I never, I, well, like I wasn't going to put it on the plane and bring it to the Gold Coast. <laughs> so. Um, but I, yeah, I've got I've got the sign and the and the outfit, and I do have. I think I got a flag. I think the year that I finished, I got like his V eight flag and had all the drivers sign it. It's somewhere. Um, but yeah. So and then when I did, well, it's not it's not um, supercar related. But when I did the Top Gear, they gave me they gifted me because um, they did a center. Um, they had a center um, like stand. Um, at the live and 
Bruno Senna was there and he gifted me a Senna like framed thing and it's all signed by Jeremy and James and everyone. So that was pretty special. So um, that's my little piece of memorabilia that's at home compared to all of Will's stuff. (laughs) (laughs) He does have a couple of bits, but he doesn't have anything like that. So you've got him covered. You've got him covered for that. Uh, Another thing here, I saw a story recently, uh, you get dragged into the wags of supercars quite often. Mm. Do you hate the term wag? Does it shit you? I do. I do hate the term wag. Um, mostly because I don't, I just think it has um, a really negative connotation. Like I think when it first appeared on the scene, it was it was sort of associated with lots of negative stereotypes um and I just think most like speaking of about myself I'm more than just a wife and girlfriend and it really grinded my gears that people would call me Will's girlfriend and I'm like I have a name and I have an identity and I am I think you probably know Noons um I like to stand on my own two feet and um, I, I like to do things my own way and I don't like to be just someone's, you know, handbag or plus one. So, yeah, it does, it does annoy me, yes. <laughs> uh, yes is the answer. We got there, <laughs> yes. Um, a lot of people don't know, a lot of people do know who follow the sport closely that uh, you are a registered nurse so um, does have you had the paddock come to you over the years with little ailments <laughs> and things that they want you to tell them what to do or, or how to go about it? Have you helped cut Dr. Carl's workload a little <laughs> by people who go, I don't want to bother him. I'll go see Rihanna. She might know what, what the problem is. Well, yes, in the early days, definitely. I don't have my registration anymore. Um, unfortunately, I let that lapse just because uh, it got too difficult to, to juggle both jobs. But, yeah, in the early days, um, I was working as a registered nurse whilst also working at supercars. Um, so, yes, there was often the odd question about certain things, some of those things I didn't need to know. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, <laughs> but yes, it was interesting <laughs> to get those questions. And I am the biggest champion for Dr. Carl. I think he is the most amazing human being. And I honestly, we are, we are so, so lucky to have him um, on our team with supercars and he is just a legend in in every way shape and form i don't think there's too many people in the pit lane who haven't at some stage ended up at a round in a medical center somewhere <laughs> seeking his his help i can can certainly say i've been one of those over the years um w- would you go back to it would you get your re-registration somewhere down the track um to be what have you got to do what have you got to do i'm not even sure well, I actually, when this year, when COVID started, they actually asked any former registered nurses if they would re-register. Um, and I did um, put my name up for that because I'd been recently registered. So I am able to go back to it if I wish. Um, so that's an option for me. Yeah, for sure. If I want cool. to. Cool. 
yeah, yeah. if you want to. Uh, have some time. Think about it. Uh, will you be the next promotional model uh, of merchandise for Dick Johnson Racing? <laughs> I'm not sure Ryan's story will allow that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll have a talk to him. We'll get you a gig. We'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. Hey, um, I think I'm too old. No, no. <laughs> You're 23, absolutely. Uh, our National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions I mentioned earlier have been flying along. So I've, we've hacked it down here in the office to the best probably 10 or 11. So um, the National Motor Racing Museum, by the way, our great friends, they are amazing with their um, support of Australian motorsport, of course, at the bottom of Conrad Strait, Murray's Corner at Bathurst. Uh, they were closed during the Bathurst 1000 weekend. But if you are road tripping through central west New South Wales and you're thinking of popping in, by all means, pop in. They are open every day by Tuesdays. Jump on the Museum's Bathurst website to make sure that you've got your times in check and you don't turn up and the gates are closed and the doors are shut um, because there's plenty to go in and, and have a look and, and see. Justin Olden is the first one, Re. Uh, did it take time for you to be accepted in pit lane by drivers and team owners? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think initially, um, yeah, definitely it took a few years for them to, to realise that I was serious and not just a, a former grid girl who was just um, trying to use it for, I don't know, Instagram. <laughs> Although I don't think Instagram was around back Instagram then. Instagram wasn't even around. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, MySpace. No. I think it was a MySpace era back then pretty much. Um, I think I've got a MySpace page somewhere floating around in cyberspace. <laughs> I've got no idea how to get into it or what's on it, but um, it's probably still there. Uh, Rachel Hale on Instagram. I know she's a big fan of yours. Have you honestly found being a female to be an advantage, a disadvantage or neither in your years in the motorsport scene? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, I think initially... Oh, um, I'm going to say disadvantage. Yeah, I'm going to say disadvantage, but with an asterisk, only because I think you – can I say both? Because I think yeah, a disadvantage, yeah. disadvantage in the sense that um, it's difficult to, to get in, it's difficult to be taken seriously, but then it makes you work harder, um, which I think – it's kind of both in in a way, mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's a uh, a bit a bit of both. One leads to the other is probably a, yeah. another way to, yeah. to look at it. Uh, Stu Russell, uh, he asked, was there ever a don't ask that moment that came from say a director or team personnel where you really wanted to ask a question but you weren't allowed to? Oh, uh, yep, yep. Examples? Any any in particular that you might be able to uh, let slip now? There's, there's just, I suppose, if there's like sponsor conflicts, um, like that's, which is, you know, there's certain times when there's sponsor deliverables. So there's, yeah, you can't ask a question because it's a, a conflict with a sponsor, which is, which is not, that's not a, um, you know, it's not a big deal. It just means you, yeah, you get told you can't ask a certain question, which is, I don't, I don't think that's a big drama, but, yeah. But yeah, there's certainly times where someone says you can't ask a certain question. Yep. I'll add one here that I've, it's just prompted me to ask. Most famous person you've interviewed? You've interviewed some music Ooh, people um, and, that have been at V8 races and big sports people. Who's yeah. the most famous? I suppose in terms of celebrity, 
first one that comes to mind would be like Benji and Joel Madden. Um, are they big celebrities? I suppose they were. Yeah, I'd, um, yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Um, God, I'm trying to think of like the music acts that have been to supercars. There's been a few good music acts. Um, Robbie Williams, he was there. Um, there's been a good, yeah, there's been a few good, oh, mm. God, I can't think of them now. But, yeah, the, ben, the Madden <laughs> brothers, they were pretty good. They were cool. I was like, yeah, that's big, they're big uh, deals. I, I, <laughs> I remember them uh, drinking with us at the bar in Hamilton after one of the races in New Zealand, just like General Joe Blows <laughs> hanging out with uh, a bunch of drivers and a bunch of supercars people like uh, they were one of the boys. So I, I do remember that. Good Charlotte for those who are wondering. Yeah, good for, yeah. Uh, for those who might not be uh, fans of music. Uh, Anne Batten asks, what's been the most difficult part of your job? And she says, aside from 2020. <laughs> um, difficult. That's a tough one. I reckon the most difficult will be the bad, the bad times. Like, for example, um, Chaz's crash, that was that was crap. Um, Holt Lee's crash in Darwin. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's that was tough. Um, you know, like just any time when it's like your mate who's had a you know an accident like that, and and um, that, that's 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 when it's shitty. You know, when when there's someone who's Really, like Lee's Lee's crash was that was really hard. That was you know we were really good mates and 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 then I visited him the next day um, at Darwin Hospital because we did a, we did an interview with him and and he sort of said yes because it was me that was going to do the interview and um, he was in a bad way and it was like times like that where it's like man this is this is I don't want to do this you know like I feel. I was really torn because it was like he's my friend, he's away from his family, he's in this awful hospital by himself, but I'm there to do an interview. I feel, I don't feel right about this. Um, so I suppose they're the difficult times, yeah. Hanging out the front of yep. a medical centre, you know. Mm. You feel like a seagull, you know, looking for a bloody chip. Like it's just they're the yeah. shitty times. Yeah, yep. totally understand, totally understand. Uh, Major Mel from Instagram, who's better at motorsport trivia, you or Will? Oh, Will. <laughs> Absolutely Will. He is, Will is, Will is, as you could attest to Noons, he is a walking encyclopedia when it comes to motorsport trivia. He is an absolute student of the sport and if anyone is going to know something, it will be Will. <laughs> he, he will tell you the lap time he did on lap five of test day four in Formula Ford 19 years ago. <laughs> Like exactly. It's, it's seriously, exactly. it's at that level. It's at that level. Yeah. It's, he can't. He couldn't level. tell me what he he did yesterday, but he could tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, if you do end up in a motorsport trivia competition, though, just have us on speed dial. We're happy to help you out. We'll we'll get you over the line. Don't worry. Uh, Mike Page asked, "What's your favourite triathlon discipline?" Oh, um, <laughs> interesting. Um, I don't really have one. I've done, I've been training for half Ironman, so I suppose yeah, say that. Uh, running, riding, swimming. Which is your which is your strength length? Oh, Love, in, that, in that which sense? is your best one? 
Um, I, I, again, I don't have one. I'm average at them all, but my most <laughs> recent triathlon, I, I did the best in the bike. So say that. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's the big carbs that you've got. Hey, no, that's me. That's, that's me. Um, I'll just get in before you watch me about it. Uh, oh, Tim Widerman's asked, this is an interesting one and you're probably not going to give us an actual name, but you might be able to give us an example. Uh, which driver are you most wary of mood wise, i.e., you really don't know how they're going to react when you interview them. I think the second part of the question is probably the easier part to answer. Who's the most moody is probably a, a question you might be able to answer, but surely it's got to be Reynolds for the blokes who you don't know what's going to come out of their mouth next. Surely he's number one. Yeah, he's yeah, he's the most, um, yeah, he, he would sometimes yeah, really, there's, there's definitely been times where we've had to re-record, um, that's for sure because things are not certainly not appropriate um, for family television. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> smart call, smart call. Sometimes it's what you don't say rather than what you do say. Uh, our next one is, well, I'm going to give this our cash trial question of the week, by the way. Uh, Cameron asks, what's your most, what are you most proud of from your time in supercars? Uh, most proud is probably that I made it, to be honest. Um, I remember a conversation way back in the very, very early days, um, I'm talking like 07, <laughs> that someone said I was wasting my time because I was a girl. And girls don't really work in motorsport. And... I made it and I survived many CEOs and many, you know, network changeovers and many sleepless nights where I cried thinking that I was not good enough um, and lots of times where I wanted to quit because I didn't feel like I was good enough um, and reading lots of really crappy things on social media because people were telling me I wasn't good enough. Um but I survived and um, I was sort of, you know, back in those early days, there wasn't many girls, A, working in supercars or B, working in sporting broadcasts. So that's, I suppose, what I'm proud of, yeah. That's fair enough. Uh, surviving is a, <laughs> is a thing um, in an industry like this. And I reckon that's why with Cameron, uh, that's our ca uh, Castrol question of the week because, uh, Castrol is more than oil. It's liquid engineering because Castrol provide the oils, the fluids, the lubricants for today and the future for every driver, every rider, uh, of which your husband is one occasionally, uh, and every industry too. So follow Castrol on Facebook to stay across the latest in motorsport, exclusive comps, and much, much more. Um, Steve Hickling's got the last question here. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, unless you can tell me something that I didn't know. Have you ever driven a V8 supercar? No, I have not. Um, I've gone for many passenger rides, um, which I'm very, very lucky. But no, I've never driven a car, or a V8 car. <laughs> I, think, I think we need to change this. I, I do remember <laughs> having a laugh session with you many years ago where you threatened to get an Aussie race car, paint it pink and go racing. So <laughs> I feel like you've got a bit more time on your hands these days and that might be a thing for 2021. You might, you might end up on the grid. You never know. You never know. Um, no, 
we won't do it. It's not going to happen. No, I don't think so. I don't think okay, so. fair enough. <laughs> I think the, the best way to be around motor racing is not to spend money on motor racing. I think that's the, exactly. the best way to go. Best way to go. Exactly. It's, it's this, I've just let everyone in on the secret of, of motor racing. Um, we've got the Motor Focus Top 10 shootout as well. It is a fancy form of word association. You give me the first thing that comes into your head, one word. I'll give you two or three if you need it to describe. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking at you on the Zoom call right now and you've sat bolt upright in your chair <laughs> wondering what's going to come out of you. It's like the bowling machine. Oh, is about dear. To some Am very I going to get myself in trouble? That's up to you. I can't control that for you. <laughs> That's fully, fully in your hands, Rihanna. Here we go. Uh, the Motor Focus Top 10 Shootout, Perth. Home. I thought you were going to say P-Town, but near <laughs> enough. Oh, by the way, you can't use the same answer twice. Okay. okay. Supercars. Life. No, that doesn't count. <laughs> there you go. It's, maybe that's why they call that TV segment that, TV show that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, here, here's one I know that you'll like. Coast Eagles. The best. Oh, they are <laughs> not. <laughs> Go away. Go away. <laughs> twenty fifteen, Rihanna. Twenty fifteen, that's all I can say to that one. Um Bathurst. Emotional. Craig Lounds. <laughs> I'm not laughing at Craig Lounds. It sounds like you are. I just <laughs> oh, Will does a really good impersonation of Craig Lounds. And all I can hear in my head is, is Will saying, like Craig Lounsey, in my head. So, Lounsey, I'm not laughing at you. Um, just smiling. That's hard to argue. Yeah. Jamie Winkup. Ruthless. Scott McLaughlin. Um, that's a tricky one. I'm like trying to like think of him as a like off track and then him on track. <laughs> like two, Why? Because they're completely two, different, are they? Because like um, exceptional. Alex Davison. <sighs> Albert. <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, genuine. Neil Crompton. Elite. Ooh, nice. He'll like that. He doesn't listen to this podcast. I don't think he listens to any <laughs> podcast, but we'll tell him that. We'll he, tell he, him doesn't that have, he doesn't have that technology. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he hasn't figured out Twitter uh, yet, uh, let alone podcasting. That's, that's for 2032 for him. Uh, oh, one more. Uh, we've done nine. We've got to have ten. Will Davison. There are so many. <laughs> so <laughs> many. <laughs> Um, Keep it PG. Oh, God. One word to describe Will. That's tough. Because we all know it's much more than just one word. Um, Everything. Oh, that's the best answer I reckon we've had for a top 10 shootout question for a long time. That is... That is pretty good. I don't think anyone's ever used that that, that word. So, well, bold. Uh, the Motor Focus Top 10 shootout is thanks to our friends at Motor Focus. They are your home of quality scale models. They've got all the big brands and many, many more. Motorfocus.com.au. Uh, order online from Dimitri and the team. Or if you're in Queensland, 
They're at Unit 9, number one Stockwell Place, Archerfield, Queensland. And Rihanna, don't tell Will. He might go there and buy more model cars to put in your house. <laughs> I'm sure you've already got enough. You don't need any we more. Have, we have everything. That's right. We'll tell everybody else to go and buy Dimitri out of stock so Will can't buy more model cars for your house. Exactly. Good deal. Exactly. <laughs> the look on your face said it all, uh, but people can't see that. But it was a look of, do not let my husband get any more model cars for no. our house. I will. I will do my best to. I will do or my anything. best to uh, not uh, wind you up and send him one for Christmas because I think you would. I'd be in a lot of trouble. So uh, there's so many topics we could have talked about, but um, I think we've covered a fair bit of ground. Um, thank you again. It's nice to catch up. We look forward to seeing you in person. It's been a long time um, since we've been in the same place at the same time. So we look forward to doing that soon. And uh, rest up, uh, chill out, do whatever you want to do for a little while and uh, don't take any uh, pressure or rushed thoughts on what you're going to do next. Relax, enjoy, and uh, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Newsy. Thanks for having me. I hope that um, I haven't been too boring for your, for your listeners. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate nah, you, it. I really do. You, you dropped a few bombs along the way. You <laughs> paid out your husband. I think we got all we needed. It's all good. <laughs> thanks, Newsy. There you have it, Rihanna Crean on the V8 Sleuth Podcast, episode 83, and plenty of great insights there, but I think the standout one is that we have got our first and probably only guest who ever can lay claim to fame for the fact they've had their bum on the side of a tram in Adelaide. There's, I can't think of anyone else we can get on the podcast who can lay claim to that. It was great to catch up with Rihanna, get a lot of really great insights into her time in television and go right back to the start of where she I guess joined the V8 supercar family some 15 years ago it was great to catch up with her and really appreciate her taking the time to to have a chat with us after what has been as you heard in the pod a real roller coaster sort of a year Christmas is rolling up V8 Sleuth bookshop is rolling as well we are right on the cusp as, as this podcast goes to air of Australia Post's cutoff. So if you're looking for something for Christmas from us, order it now as soon as this podcast drops because once we get past about the 11th or 12th of December, uh, we can't guarantee that it's going to make it to you in time for Christmas. Jump on the website, bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. If you're worried about time, grab a gift card. Then you don't have to worry about what to buy anyone. Just grab them a gift card. It's delivered electronically. They can worry about what they order. We've had great reaction to Glenn Seaton's new book is going so well. Seto, the official racing history of Glenn Seaton. 320 pages, hardcover, full colour. Stefan Bartholomew has done a super job with us. In fact, so super, we employed him. He's full time with us and he's going to be with us on the podcast next week with our next Q&A episode. And don't forget to, DVD's full-length Bathurst 1000 broadcasts are in our online store. The latest, 1993, Larry Perkins and the late, great Greg Hansford getting the job done. The full race day telecast from start to end with all the vision from the ad breaks that you didn't get to see on the day in October 1993. Thanks again, everyone, for the podcast feedback. We get plenty of emails during the week and messages via our social media accounts. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast too so then when a new episode goes live, you will know about it and you won't miss out. Tell all your mates. 
spread the love. It's just how you should do it. It's what's got to be done. Join our newsletter too on the v8sleuth.com.au website. That's where we're pumping out regular newsletters where you get links to the latest stories on the website, the latest products. And of course, follow us on socials. You know where to go. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That is the go. Anyway, that's episode 83 done of the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Tim. Can join us next week, ep 84 Q&A. And we've got some curly questions that we're going to get stuck into. We'll chat to you then.